don't do that very often, but I want to welcome the many that listen to us and watch us on Facebook and on the website and later on YouTube. And uh, it's a joy to hear from some of them and to know we're out ministering to them. So uh, we're glad to have them join us this morning. But we're in Philippians chapter 4. I've been preaching on uh, regaining our purpose. Uh, you know, as the pandemic hit, we kind of went backwards as most church did. And individuals, we quit doing some things. And the theme for this uh, series comes from Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans for good, not for a disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We need to regain our purpose because God has a plan for each and every one of us. Now, uh, I want you to think for just a minute, what is the biggest problem in your life? Are you thinking? Now, close your eyes. Everybody close their eyes. I'm going to count to 10. And while I'm counting to 10, I want you to pretend it will go away, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Open your eyes. Has it gone away? No, most of you women's looking over at your husband saying, no, he's still here. Uh, you know, you can't wish your problems away. I w you know, it would be nice if we could. You cannot wish the problem's still going to be there. So we have to deal with them. And the way we deal with them is to allow the Lord to deal with them through our life. And let's pray and begin in verse number 1. Our Heavenly Father, open our eyes to be able to see what you have for us today. Open our ears to be able to hear. But God, most of all, open our heart that we can receive today. In the name of Jesus, amen. going to talk today about stand firm stand firm it has a lot to do with uh, 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 how that we stand in times of trouble how do we handle trouble how do we stand in order to regain our purpose it says in verse number one wherefore my brethren dearly beloved and longed for my joy and crown so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved I beseech, now I'm not, I ha, let me tell you, I'm going to change these two names because I don't pronounce them well, okay? I beseech you, Eunice, and beseech Susie, you like that? Eunice and Susie, that they may be in the same name in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fella, help those women which are labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose name are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. There are seven descriptive words here I want you to pay attention to as I go through the, the lesson today. These seven descriptive words will help us regain purpose. Verse number one, there is the word stand. He says stand fast. In verse number three, there is the word help. He said, help those women. And then in verse number three, there is also the word labor, laborers. And then in verse number four, there is the Lord word rejoice. 
In verse number five, there is the word moderation. You may have a different translation that say forbearing. And then in verse six, there is prayer. And then in verse seven, there's peace. So we're going to look at these seven descriptive words that needs to be in our life that we could regain our purpose. Now, beginning though, I want to go back to verse number one. He begins with the word wherefore. Now, the reason he uses wherefore, it's always a implication that we need to look back at what he said before he says wherefore. In order to do that, go back to verses 20 and 21. He says, for our conversation is in heaven. Now, you may have a translation that say walk. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. He says, wherefore, go back to the previous verses. I'm talking about your conversation, your walk. Your walk is in heaven, which means it should be focused upon heaven, should be focused not on earth, but on heaven. And your treasures you lay up should not be here, but we should be laying treasures up in heaven. He said, the reason is you need to keep looking for the Lord and Savior. Keep looking. It keeps you going. Keep your, you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at keeping your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus Christ. Then he said, the Lord will change your earthly body to a glorious body. Now, I know at the end of life, when this body ceases to exist, this mortal body of mine is going to put on an immortal body likened to Jesus. I know that. But in the meantime, he is still working in my life to continually be changing my body, my vile, sinful body into the Christ-like body of Jesus Christ to be like him. So he says, keep your walk straight, keep your focus on the Lord, and then let the Lord continue to change you. Then we go to verse number four, now that we've seen the why, uh, verse number one, now that we've seen the wherefore. He says, my crown and my joy. He says, my joy and crown. A crown is a reward. It, you know, these saints, these believers in Philippi was a reward for Paul. And whether you understand it or not, you are my reward in the family of Christ. And I pray that I am your reward in the family of Christ. God's put us together to bless each other, to be each other's reward here on this earth. So he's brought us into the family of God. I've been brought into your family. You've been brought into mine. Therefore, you are my reward. I am your reward. So these spiritual believers at Philippi was a reward or a crown to Paul. He also mentioned joy. Joy is more than happiness. Joy is a settled peace. Their lives, they lived, these believers at Philippi, the lives they lived brought joy 
to Paul. And I know what he means. Man, when I see y'all supporting the church, worshiping, when I see you serving others, when I see you growing in the word, Lord, man, I get a joy in my life, a settled peace that comes in my life. Paul said, I've got this kind of joy. I've got joy and I've got a crown because of the believers here. And joy always, joy always rises above the circumstances. Circumstances come and go, but the joy of God lingers on. So these Philippian believers brought a reward and joy to the life of Paul. Now let's dig into these seven descriptive terms here that will make us more like Christ. Verse number one uses the word stand. Stand. He said stand fast in the Lord. You know, in a Christian life, you cannot stand on your own. You will fail. You will be a failure on your own. If you seek to live your Christian life on your own, it will be disastrous. You cannot do that. 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 said, Therefore, or wherefore, let him that thinketh he stands take heed lest he fall. Every time I step into this pulpit to preach on my own, it's a failure. Every time you step out to witness about the Lord to someone you love without the Lord being leading you, it's a failure. On your own, you cannot do enough to please God. It will fail. And you also, he says, stand fast in the Lord, his strength and not ours. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He's working through me. He's given me strength that I do not have on my own. If I stand on my own, <coughs> I will fail. But if I stand in Christ, he will succeed. So first of all, if we're going to regain purpose, we need to learn how to stand, not on our own, but in Christ Jesus. Secondly, the scriptive term is help, verses 2 and 3. He said, help those women. Talking about Eunice and Susie here, okay? There are two women in the church. They are at odds against each other. I don't know the exact details, and Paul doesn't air, air the dirty laundry. He just says, help these women. There's a few things that we don't know. We don't know if they're having doctrinal differences about their belief. We don't know if they're having personal differences. We don't know if they're having family differences. We don't know what the differences are there, but they're in a conflict with each other. He said, help them. In a book that we use in CTI called Well-Intended Dragons by Marshall Shelley, he says, within the church, there are often sincere, well-meaning saints, and they often leave you with ulcers. Stained relationships, often hard feelings in their wake. They are loyal church members convinced they're serving God, but they wind up doing more harm than good. They can drive pastors crazy or out of church. We all have been one of them. If you've not been a dragon, you will be. I've been a dragon. It's kind of like the idea that sometimes you're the bug and sometimes you're the windshield. Sometimes you hit 
Sometimes you get hit. Sometimes you're the dragon. Sometimes you feel the force of the dragon. We all have been there in one way or another. So they said these women here help them. Now, first of all, understand this. They are godly women. They're not infidels. They're not atheists. They're not enemies of the cross of Christ. They are godly women that's having some differences. It says they labored with Paul in ministry was his heir when he was there. They were well-intended believers. He referred to them as fellow laborers. They're Christians. Their names recorded in the book of life. We Christians have problems just like everybody else. We Christians have differences of opinion just like everyone else. We have conflicts just like the world do. Are these two genuine believers? Yes. Are they having a problem? Yes, they are. Godly Christians have differences. Are they getting along? Doesn't appear like it. No. Are they going to heaven? Yes, they are. Godly Christians can have problems. And you know what? Understand this. We are a family. Families have differences. Families have problems from time to time. But a loving family works it all out. Okay? So they're godly people. Now, how can we help these women? He says, you need to help them. He said, number one, you got to get them having, he said these words, the same mind. You must get them thinking in the same directions. The instructions in Galatians 6 and 1 says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of weakness, considering thyself, lest also thy be tempted. Bear ye one another burdens, so you fulfill the loss, the 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 uh, uh, law of Christ. These two ladies are overtaken in a fault, whatever it is. Whose fault is it? Doesn't matter. Doesn't even hold water. Whose fault it is? Doesn't matter at all. We're not here to point fingers. We're not here to put somebody down, lift somebody up. The whole goal that we have as Christian is summed up in one word, reconciliation. Reconciliation. We're not here to kick anybody out of church. We're not here to point fingers at them and put them down. We're here to restore them back in restoration where they're useful in the family of God again. That's what Paul's saying. Help these women. Help them to have the same mind. Reach out to them. So he said, first of all, stand. Stand firm and cry. Then he said, help others. Help these women. And then in number three, in verse three, he uses the word labor, labor fellow labor. We're all servants of Christ. We need to be serving him in joy, not out of necessity. I met with a guy recently who was living a very hypocritical life, and he was serving as a deacon in the church. And I said, does your pastor know what's going on? No. I said, well, why are you serving in the office you're serving in, doing what you're doing in the condition you're doing it? He looked at me and he said, because nobody else will do it. Now, let me tell you something. We don't serve the Lord because nobody else will do it. We serve the Lord because we're fellow laborers with each other, 
and with Christ Jesus. And we need to be right in serving him in joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. The joy acronym. Doing ministry together in joy. So first, we stand. We stand fast in the Lord. Second, we help each other. And thirdly, we labor together. You know, that's the reason we're in an association of churches. Now, we don't really do as much of what we were set out to do as it was intended. But associations of churches were formed together so that together they could do things they couldn't do individually. They couldn't support missionaries on the foreign field individually like we can together. We can't build local mission churches individually like we can together. That's the reason associations come together. You know that's the reason churches are to come together? To help each other, to do labor and ministry together. So that's what we should do is labor together. Then number four in verse four is the word rejoice. He uses it twice here. And uh, uh, John 15 verse 11 said these things. Now notice this. Now this is the words of Paul, of John. Uh, uh, He said these things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now John's saying, now the reason I'm writing you this is so you'll have joy. You'll have the same joy I got. Then he says, the joy you get will come from my words that I'm speaking to you. And he said, I want this joy that I have to be in you and to remain in you, to let the word of God remain in you, to let the joy of the Lord remain in you, to let the joy of the world be there for you, of the Lord be there for your motivation. So he said, rejoice in all things. Now, uh, a lot of people don't rejoice. I'll be honest with you. I'm, you know, and you can't always tell it by the people's faces, you know, if they're rejoicing or not because we, there's a world of difference between cheerfulness and rejoicing. There's a world of difference between happiness and rejoicing. I can be crying and still rejoice. I can be laughing and rejoice because that's what God's doing for me, settling me on the inside. And there's a lot of people when they walk in the room, it's kind of like a dark cloud's coming in with them, you know. As one said, uh, the boy's talking to him, you know, he's got a working mother, and every evening when the mother returned home, uh, you know, she'd say, uh, you know, dad would say, honey, how was your day? Then mom would proceed to complain about one thing after another. Finally, the son went to daddy and said, Daddy, do me a favor. Don't ask mom about her day anymore. Uh, You ever ask him about how they're doing and you get ready because here it comes? I mean, you know, we do very little rejoicing, but we seem to do a lot of complaining. And, and, And the word here, stand, the first one, stand fast in the Lord. Second, help others. Thirdly, labor together as we're supposed to do, enjoy. And fourthly, rejoice. And then here's the fifth one, forbearance or moderation in verse number five, which is self-control or restraint. Not striking back. Now, we do that because we love each other. We don't strike back because we love each other. But there's another reason he points out here. Other people are watching you. They're watching to see how you respond when you're thrown in the heat. They're watching you to see how you respond when circumstances turns up the temperature in your life. Uh, You know, those outside the faith, uh, they're always seeing what you're trying to do as the world watches you. But not only do the world watch you, other Christians watch you as well. You see, you have influence on others that are lost. 
But you also have influence on other people that are brothers and sisters in Christ. They're always watching you. We have to always work to be under control. One of the worst mistakes, I've made plenty of them, I can remember in this situation was serving as youth directors at the first church we that we were at. And the pastor and I had a serious disagreement. And in front of the deacons, I let it go. I tried to rip him up one side and down the other, and boy, the temperature went, and it was absolutely terrible. And I walked out of there feeling like I was crawling on my belly about as low as I could crawl. Now, what I said to him, I wanted to say to him, but I wanted to say it in private. I lost it in front of my brothers and sisters in Christ. We eventually left that church. I'm not sure that didn't have a, a little bit of an impact on those that were watching. What you do and how you act has that kind of influence. So we're to stand fast in the Lord. We're to help others. We're to rejoice together. We're to labor together. We're to forbear each other. Then in verse number 6, there's the word prayer. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving now prayer is a communication with god when we begin our uh, our communication with god i want to give you a little advice begin it with praise not praise for yourself if you begin to begin a prayer praising yourself to god he's not impressed he won't be impressed that you led somebody the lord he won't be impressed that you sang a special this morning in church or that you said an open prayer or that you even come to church. That's not going to impress him. I'm not talking about praising yourself, but when you come before God in prayer, why don't you start by praising God? He deserves it, doesn't he? That's the way we should start, praising God for who he is. And then there's that word he uses here called supplication. Supplication is asking of God earnestly asking him things that you are unable to do for yourself, asking him to intervene in your life, asking him to give you some wisdom and some strength, asking him for the problems and the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ, asking him for the greatest need of all, the salvation of a lost loved one. Let your needs be known to God. He knows them anyway, but he wants you to express them to him. So we praise him, and then we open up, and we begin to ask him, and then finally we give him thanksgiving that comes in and of of God. Now, I, I, you know, what, I, what I'm talking about here is that it's kind of like uh, sitting at a chair and having a chair in front of you. And I was going to do that, and I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to kind of explain it to you. Setting your best friend in front of you in that chair and you setting a chair right in front of, you, of that best friend facing him, looking into your best friend's eyes, holding the hands of your best friend, and having a very intimate conversation. Why don't we treat God that way? Why don't we bring God into our very presence and we get before God and we take him by the hand and 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 we look into his eyes and kind of see through his eyes what he's seeing to us. And take as we take those hands and look into his eyes, we open up. We begin to express to him things we never thought we would express to him. 
We begin to ask him things we never thought we'd ask of him. And we spend that time with our best friend and we walk out, it's kind of like Rich getting to see his be- one of his best friends that led him to the Lord he hadn't seen in so many years. He had those two hours of sharing memories and sharing blessings together and we don't do that to our Heavenly Father. We don't do that for the Lord who saved our life. The Lord who is our elder brother. The Lord who is the best friend that we'll ever have in our entire life. Spending that time together with him in prayer. Praising him. Asking him. Thanking him. You see we need to be standers first of all. Stand in Christ Jesus. Stand fast. We need to be helpers helping each other. We need to be laborers together, working together in the work of the Lord. We need to be rejoicers, allowing the joy of the Lord to flow in and out of our life, to be forbearers, living in moderation under control so that we'll not bring a reproach against the cause of Christ, and then to be a prayer, someone who will take the praise, the request, and the thanksgiving to the Lord. And finally, here's number seven, verse seven, peace. All of this will bring you peace. And it's the peace of God, he says. The peace of God, the settled mind and the settled heart. It's not the peace the world brings. The world can't bring true peace, you know. That kind of peace is only good for a season. It's like sin. We said sin brings you pleasure only for a season. The peace that the world brings bring you peace only for that short time, for that season. No one else can bring it to you. And no one else should be affecting our peace. It should be between us and God. Years ago, I had to deal with a ministry issue and take a couple out of ministry because of an action that brought reproach against their ministry. I went over to their house and sat down and talked to them and told them how it had to be, prayed with them, left. A few months later, they had backslid. That's basically all that matters. And they split up, and the wife called me to the house and said, Larry, he's went back to drinking. He's running around. He's left. He's striking me. He's doing the things he did before he met Christ. You gave him an opportunity to minister. And, boy, we were living for the Lord, and we're doing so, so good. And when you took him out of ministry, he went back to the bottle. He went back to his old life. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, that hurts. But I'll tell you one thing. I didn't make him go back to that bottle. I didn't make him go back to that old lifestyle. It was his own free will that God gives us. God gives us a free will to make our own choices. Your spouse does not need to make your choices for you. Your pastor does not need to make. I have people come and say, what do you think God's will for my life is? I said, serve him. I mean, I can't tell you what to do. That's between you and God. I don't know what he's working on you for. He come up and said, well, you know, I'm thinking about going over and, and witnessing to my best friend that's lost, and, and I don't know how to do it, and, and I've been studying. Will you help me? Sure. Now, do you think it's right? I can tell him in that. Yeah, it's always right to minister. But I can't, I can't direct them every path. You can't direct somebody. They, we have to make our own choices in life. I preach to you the best I can out of the Word of God, but when you walk out that door, you're on your own. You've got to make your own choices. I cannot live your life for you out there. Somebody else cannot live your life out there for you. If you're making reproach against the cause of Christ out there, you're making a reproach in worship in here. 
because you're making that choice. You're making that choice. So this kind of peace here is something that is not brought through fame and fortune because it won't last. You know, I had an insured when I was in the insurance business, multi-millionaire. He bought antique cars right and left. He had full-time workers to restore them and to keep them running for him. He had dozens and dozens of these in a great big old warehouse with flat tires collecting dust. And I asked him, I said, can I ask you something? You spent all these monies restoring these cars. You spent all of that money letting this guy, you know, work on all your vehicles. You drive them, and now they're laying in there collecting dust, and you're not even fooling with them. He said, what's wrong? I said, what happened? He said, well, they, it's only fun for a few months. Did you know there's a lot of people like that? Marriage was only, my, fun, my marriage was only fun for a couple of years, so I tossed it aside. My family, they, they were only fun for a couple of months, so I don't need them anymore. The church, oh, it was fun for a little while, but it, it, it's not fun anymore. Peace has nothing to do with fun. Peace has to do with the condition of your heart. And this kind of peace that God brings it is, is passes all understanding. It keeps our heart and mind through Christ. It's eternal. But I, I will tell you this. You can write this down. There are times when you pray that God will calm the storm in your life. But there are other times when you pray he'll let you go through that storm in your life. Because when you go through that storm and you come out the other end, you'll be better than you were when you went in it. If you protect your children from everything that's out there, they're going to grow up one of these days and they're going to go out on their own and they're going to experience all kinds of failure because you're not going to be there 24 hours a day to take care of their failures. You're not going to bail them out of jail. You're not going to pay their fines. You're not going to excuse them away with the high school principal and their teachers anymore. There's going to be a time they're going to have to stand on their own. And I'll tell you something, adult. This is the time right now in the time that we live that every one of us as God's children, we need to be able to stand as God wants us to stand. Stand firm. And we can do it if we stand in him if we reach out to help others, if we look to Christ and to each other to work together, if we rejoice in the Lord, if we forbear each other, if we pray earnestly before him, and if we live with peace that God creates, that purpose that we lost will be renewed all over again. Now, my question to you is this. This is very important, okay? Do you need improvement in your life? Do you need improvement in these areas in your life? If so, you need to make a commitment to God and pray that God will give you an opportunity to make these improvements. If you need to publicly come and have your church family pray around you for improvement, you can do that as we offer the invitation. I'm going to go down front. We haven't been doing altar calls since all this pandemic started. I'm going to put my mask on. I'm going down front. And if you feel like you need prayer with me or anybody else, we'll put our mask on. We'll gather around you and we'll pray as we stand. We trust that God has blessed you with this message from His Word. Each week, these sermons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday school videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel 
just search in the search engine for Portland General Baptist Church. Subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website, free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.